0: and go through the New Testament in a year, we're diving into 2 Corinthians. So the past three Sundays, we've been in 1 Corinthians, and we finished that up last week in 1 Corinthians 13, thanks to Brendan Saget. Brendan, you're right over there, uh, talking about that love is patient, and that love can be patient with our time. That's one of the ways we can be, uh, show our love, is to be patient with our time. Second Corinthians, obviously, is a new letter where Paul expresses his love for the people in Corinth again, and it's a more personal, intimate letter, part of the letter he defends himself to the believers there, that he's a true teacher of the gospel, not a false teacher like some have been hearing there in Corinth. And he points out that Christian leadership is not about worldly success, but humbly pointing people to Jesus so knowing that about second corinthians let us read today's passage it's second corinthians 4 verses 1 through 12. therefore since it is by god's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry we do not lose heart we have renounced the shameful things that one hides we refuse to practice cunning or to falsify god's word But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for jesus sake for it is the god who said let light shine out of the darkness who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ but we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power "'belongs to God and does not come from us. "'We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, "'perplexed, but not driven to despair, "'persecuted, but not forsaken, "'struck down, but not destroyed, "'always carrying in the body the death of Jesus "'so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible "'in our bodies.'" For while we live, we're always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts on this Sunday Be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So one of the temptations we have in our culture today may be similar to what the Second Corinthians had. It is the cult of the celebrity. People are tempted to focus on the big personality. It could be the famous entertainer, the person in the news, the celebrity, the star coach or the star athlete in sports or even the star pastor in some churches. Well, it is believed that after Paul had visited Corinth, he had written to them at least once, false Christian teachers had come around and Paul calls them super apostles. And in in fact, they were the stars. These people were apparently successful. They asked for money. Uh, Paul even says for profit in chapter two. For their teaching, and some believers in Corinth had followed these stars and rejected Paul. That's what we pick up in reading this book. Paul says that he doesn't want to be a super apostle or a star. He knows he is flawed, and his ministry comes from Jesus, not himself. In fact, in this passage we just read, he simply says, I I want to point people to Jesus. That is what I'm all about. So what does Paul have to say generally here in chapter 4 against these false teachers, and what are we supposed to do? He says, first, preach the gospel plainly. Keep it simple. Don't deceive. Second, don't quit. Don't give up. Keep going. And third, don't be a self-promoter like these other teachers. Instead, put the spotlight not on yourself, but upon Jesus So what can we do as followers of Jesus from chapter 4? Summarizing this, we can put the focus on Jesus in our own lives, let the light of Jesus, the light of Christ, be carried in us as we are like clay pots or clay jars, and let that light shine out to the world. And we'll talk more about that in uh, a few minutes. So when these other teachers came, they didn't tell the gospel plainly. They deceived or confused the Corinthians, and we're not... 100% sure what they talked about. But today, we might be deceived into putting our trust not in God, but in other things. It's easy to put our hope in the things of this world. Good health, financial stability, or it's easy to focus on our kids or our grandkids, our covenant children even. Are, Are they turning out right in their lives where they are? And I think this is true for Claire and I, my wife Claire and I this past week as we took three kids to college, Luke and Graham our twins for the first time last weekend and then Lexia on Tuesday. And so, so much focus on your children and are they gonna be okay? Are they gonna make new friends? Are they gonna be all right? Uh, we want them to be successful in life. It can be easy to be caught up in other things other than our focus on Jesus Today, this year, and last year, we might think if only the right politician or the right policy were in place, things would be all right. If only we could end the pandemic, then everything would be all right. But there will always be problems, always distractions. So Paul says, our hope is in Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Whatever the circumstances are, good or bad, Back in the passage, Paul says in verse 3 <clears throat> that the gospel is veiled to some people. He says to nonbelievers, the gospel is veiled. And he uses this illustration because in chapter 3, he talked about when Moses would come down from the mountain that he was veiled because uh, the light of God would shine in his face. But he uses the sense that, that some people today are veiled. And it's not just the mask that we wear like you're wearing right now but it could be their entire faces were veiled or their eyes were veiled, that they were blinded to the truth of the gospel. I think sometimes that can even happen to believers as well. The information, the news, the noise, the distractions, the technology that we have today can distract us from Christ. We talked about this summer a little bit before summer and during the summer, the value of being quiet and not in a hurry, of taking that quiet walk of focusing on Jesus so that we can see him and hear from him. Jesus is the light of the world. Paul talks about that here too. God said, let the light shine out of darkness at creation. Paul quotes that in verse six. And he says, we need to shine the light into the dark places of our own lives and the hard times that we face so how does this light shine in our hearts? I think that's a, it's a little mysterious when we think about that. The light of Christ, that imagery, that, that metaphor, the light of Christ shining in our hearts and then shining out of us. And it's a little bit spiritual, a bit mysterious, but I think it goes something like this. If we understand God's grace, if we believe it in our hearts, if we accept Jesus into our lives, The New Testament says, then we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus said in the Gospels, and Paul repeats it, then the Holy Spirit will be in us. God living in us, that's this treasure that Paul's talking about, that Holy Spirit, God's message of grace, God living in us, and then God's light shines in our hearts so that then we can shine that back or reflect that back out into the world. Paul explains it in this famous verse 7, which we read a few minutes ago. We have this treasure, God's grace, in clay jars, which are our bodies, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. It's from God, not from us, but it's God in us that shines out. To say more about shining God's light from our hearts and to say a little bit more about God's treasure in us, I'd like to share an illustration which I heard probably 10 or 15 years ago uh, from a message that actually it was a, a Christian concert I was at, and the whole message was about the moon. So you're wondering, a sermon about the moon? Yes, a sermon really about the moon, and it'll make sense, so... Here's a picture of the moon, the photo of a, of a full moon in a dark sky. Obviously, we know what that looks like, the brightness of the moon. But the moon is a big hunk of rock. I looked it up this week. Its surface is dominated by igneous rock. I can't tell you much more than that. But its surface is dominated by igneous rock. The radius of the moon is over 1,000 miles, but the moon is smaller across as we see it in the sky than the United States is wide. I thought it would be bigger than that, but it's not. But when we see it in the night sky and the positioning of the sun and the moon is just right, we can see a full moon that is incredibly bright. And I know that you know when you when you see in the early evening when the full moon is rising above the horizon, it's incredibly bright and looks incredibly big it can really dominate the sky but when the moon only reflects part of the sun it is not nearly so bright but here's the thing the moon does not produce any light at all again it's a big rock the moon only reflects the light of the sun and it can still be very bright in doing that it can be so bright, in fact, that you can see at night. I think of when I'm taking our little dog out to walk at night after the sun goes down. If there's a full moon, you don't need to turn any porch lights on or the back backyard lights on. When my kids were little, they liked to play after dark in our backyard, they liked to play Ghost in the Graveyard. Anybody play that? No. It's not a bad game. It's just kind of hide and seek in the dark where you can kind of almost hide in plain sight because it's so dark. But on nights when there is a full moon, it's really too light to play ghost in the graveyard very well because you can see each other in the yard. So the moon greatly reflects the light of the sun, the S-U-N. Now, you probably know where I'm going. As followers of Jesus, we reflect the light of the sun, S-O-N. When we are positioned right, we can really shine but if we are not positioned correctly, if we are not in alignment with the sun, we don't shine so much. But when we are in alignment with Jesus, when we're walking with him day by day, week by week, when we're praying, we're thinking about God, we're, we're doing the disciplines uh, that call us closer and draw us closer to God, then we can truly reflect the light and shine the light of Jesus very well. And we know that our world needs the light because things are dark. But the difference between us and the moon is that we are living creatures made in God's image. The moon is not living, it's just a big rock. But because we are living, we have the light. This is the difference. We have the light living in us. It's not just a reflection. It's Jesus' light living in us. And then as we shine it out, As we carry that in these clay jars as we shine that light out it's different a little bit as all of us shine it because we all have different unique gifts and abilities it's god's treasure inside of us and then we are messengers of that grace of that light paul then describes how we can get through things that are dark because when you live very long you know that the world can be dark it was even very dark for paul he talks about here in in his various letters and you can read in the kind of the last half of the book of acts paul was doubted he was opposed there had false teachers come around corinth and spoke against him he was even beaten for things he said he was arrested several times thrown into jail and shipwrecked. And for all these things, he survived until eventually we believe he was killed for his faith. So Paul knew that life could be hard. And yet we have this treasure in us, the light of Christ, the grace of Jesus living in us. And as Paul said, it's not us, we are merely the carriers, the delivery, uh, the deliverers the UPS truck, the FedEx truck, to get the message out to the people and that we are breakable and fragile like clay pots, like Paul was. And Paul realized that about himself. He had limitations, as we do too. But Paul inspires us by saying, yes, life is hard, but God is there. Don't give up. You're only a clay pot. Paul felt beaten down, but he is not giving up. So he shares these feelings in this amazing ending to this passage, which we read a few minutes ago, and it, it looks like this We are afflicted, but not crushed. We are perplexed, confused, and maybe Paul was perplexed at what was going on with these false teachers, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted but not forsaken. God does not leave us alone. He does not leave us at all. He will walk with us. We are struck down. Paul was physically struck down. Sometimes we feel emotionally, spiritually struck down, but we are not destroyed. Paul then says at the end, he is being given up to death so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our own flesh Paul's being given up even to death, he talks about, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our own flesh. I think this passage right here, this part is both um, poetic and personal. This this point counterpoint that Paul uses, in a sense, is is very poetic-sounding and very inspirational. Even in the most difficult times when we feel we're, we're persecuted, when we feel we're struck down, we feel we are afflicted, we're not lost, we're not forsaken, we're not destroyed. And so this personal sharing that Paul has from the things that he had been through, and he, he still doesn't give up, gives us inspiration. And I think for me, it gives me inspiration as well in my own life. About three years ago, most of you know, our family went through a tragic time. And during that tragedy, others in our lives were very much like these clay jars. They were people that came around us carrying the grace and the message and the light of Christ Christ in that time for me and my family. People simply cared for us and were present with us and that was incredibly helpful. During that time, and really since then, for almost three years now, this one passage from the Old Testament has stood out to me, maybe more than than any others, and it's this one here. Psalm 34, 17 and 18. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. I think we can lean on that. When we feel like Paul, when we feel like people oppose us, when we feel like life it's hard. Things are too difficult. We can cry out to God and God hears us. God delivers them from all their troubles. God will be with us in our troubles and deliver us. And then the next verse, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I can almost see Paul looking back or remembering this uh, from his memorization of what for him was the scripture, the Old Testament. Paul would be saying, God saves those who are crushed in spirit. Thinking about himself, I am afflicted, but not crushed. God saves those who feel crushed in spirit. For Paul, it was personal. Many of these believers in Corinth had been listening to false teachers, and this hurt him deeply. As you look at 2 Corinthians, as I kind of skimmed and read a lot of it this past week, He was hurt by this. He had given so much of himself. Then teachers that he talks about were perhaps more eloquent or more successful than him in some ways had come in to fool some of the believers. But Paul holds out hope that he is not fully crushed, but that God is with him, literally in him, in the Holy Spirit. As he says, he carries Jesus' death in himself In that, it is Jesus' death and resurrection that gives him hope to keep going. Part of the hope that kept me going over these past couple of years was that passage out of Psalm 34, a simple passage. Again, that says, God saves those who are crushed in spirit, and the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. For my family and I, this message came in a sign. Now, I don't mean a sign like a real spiritual sign up in the sky or something, you know, God speaking to me through a voice, but an actual sign, a very simple yard sign. You know, one of those signs that you see that people put maybe if they have kids on a sports team or a, a school thing, and it's those little plastic signs, and they have the little tiny metal poles that easily push down into the yard. Well, after my niece and nephew had died, some, some of their friends made signs, and there was this one sign in particular. It was created, I know, by an eighth-grade girl who was a close friend of our niece. And on this very simple sign, it was I remember it was white with just black, probably Sharpie, written in Sharpie, was Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. And I remember looking at it And even her handwriting was kind of messy. It wasn't printed real neat. But it didn't matter. In fact, I think that made it better because it was personal. And I think sometimes we think as Christians, I I think even I fall into this trap myself a little bit, and I hope I don't put this on you, but sometimes we think we have to do something grand or great, that we have to save the world. But I think the message of grace often comes in simple small gestures like this very simple yard sign with a touching scripture written by hand that brings us hope from despair and brings light into the darkness so as clay pots as paul talks about as clay jars that carry the treasure inside of us we can hold intention a couple of things First, as we mentioned several weeks ago, as we were in Romans, we are gifted. We are unique. We are made in God's image. God has called us to do his work. So we hold that in detention. But also, that we are clay pots. We are fragile. We are breakable. And that we need to be used for Jesus. It, the power doesn't have to come from us, it comes from God inside of us, working its way out to others. It is God's treasure. God's grace, it is the life that Jesus offers, it is the hope of eternal life that Jesus offers, and that hope can help us navigate through persecution, persecution, confusion, dark places, feeling crushed. And then that hope, that treasure inside of us, sometimes even in our limitations, sometimes even in our dark places, can then be sent out to others to help them where they are struggling. We are messengers then that deliver a message that can come simply in our words, our attitudes, our actions, our time, and our presence. That's the clay pot image. It is the treasure inside of us, the message of the gospel, the light of Jesus that we can share and reflect even in our limitations and struggles. So. We can focus on Jesus because God has a plan to let his light shine in the darkness, darkness that you are in or that you have been in, or the darkness around us now. God has a plan to let his light shine in the darkness. God has a plan to get out his grace and love to the world. What is God's plan? It is people like us. As we have that treasure inside of us, then we can let it out and shine that light to others. As Paul says, we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Let us pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks again for this opportunity to come together in this sanctuary, this room set apart to worship you and to learn more about you. And God, as we get ready to go from here, Uh, And a few minutes later this morning, we ask that you help us to remember the scripture that you have given to us in the New Testament and through Paul today. God, that we have this treasure in clay jars. The treasure is your grace, your love, even your light. God, that we don't have to be powerful in ourselves, but it's in your power, your grace, your light, your love living in us that we can let that out to the world to let them see your light as well. Help us to do that, even this week. In Jesus' name, amen.